Net-A-Porter presents The Incredible Women Podcast, Series 7, Vision and Voice. Welcome to the new series of The Incredible Women Podcast, in which we sit down with women who are committed to pushing for positive change, those who are using their platforms to create space for others, and who are shaping the future with their ideas and drive. Some of these incredible women you'll already be familiar with, and others we're excited to introduce you to. I'm Alice Casely Hayford, Content Director at Net-A-Porter, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined for this episode of our seventh series, Vision and Voice, by Adjua Aboa, Girls Talk founder, actor, model, and mental health advocate. I don't know if I could have done the modelling the way I've done it if mm-hmm. I hadn't had something like Girls Talk mm. kind of at the backbone yeah. of my... Um, existence at that point, do you know what I mean? It felt like I've always got something bigger. Aboa is one of the most recognisable and successful models of the past few years, and she has now turned her talents to acting with a lead role in Top Boy, the hottest show of the moment. Aboa has worked steadily as a model since being scouted at 16, but it was after she featured on the cover of Edward Enenfall's first issue of British Vogue in 2017 that her career really skyrocketed. Alongside a prolific modelling career, Aboa also found time to launch Girls Talk, an organisation that offers a safe space, both on and offline, for young women to share their experiences and discuss topics including mental health, feminism, race, sex and body image. With an incredibly successful podcast of her own, I'm particularly excited to have Aboa here with us today. Let's meet her. Hi, Adjua. Welcome to our Incredible Women podcast. It is such a pleasure to be sitting down with you today. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Thanks for being here. So this series is called Vision and Voice. um, And you are someone who has used your voice since the very start of your career to really speak about important topics that are particularly pertinent for young women. Was there something that prompted you to do this or is it something that's come really naturally to you? I mean, if I really look back, I now realise that it probably was in me for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. I was probably just distracted and and hadn't kind of um, found that part of myself yet. But I think the support and love and generosity of a lot of the people I found like throughout my own journey was something that really pushed me to do the work that I do. It was... um, I don't think as cheesy as a kind of like pay it forward, but a sign of kind of respect. Like how can I take some of this newfound knowledge and support and love and hand it over to a community that I think I'd always been searching for? Mm -hmm. I wasn't obviously going to be suddenly be able to like be a kind of, you know, psychiatrist or anything like that. But I was like, how can I impart like certain things that I've learned along the road and I think that kind of um was the start of becoming quite an uh, opinionated like advocate for mental health oh thank goodness you are so many people are grateful for all that you do many people listening to this will know you as one of the biggest supermodels in the world cringe sorry if that makes you cringe (laughs) (laughs) but can you explain to those who don't know exactly what girls talk is and why you wanted to start it Girls Talk is a community-led organisation dedicated to the well-being and mental health of all young women and anyone identifying as a woman. So that's what it is. And I started back in 
2000 and I always get it wrong I think there's like dates floating around there are lots of different dates there are actually. lots of dates I think I'm just not really a date sort of gal I think around 2016 yeah, yeah 2016 I'd say was, 2016 yeah. Yeah. but I remember I interviewed you in 2017 it was 2016 for, so it was, yeah sure. you just done it before yeah, yeah it was 2016 but I'm really intrigued as your platform has grown has it become easier or more challenging to share your own experiences um, and to help and support others. So actually I was talking to Liv Little, who started Galdem around probably the same time I started Girls Talk. We really went back and we were talking about how like kind of guerrilla style it all felt at the beginning. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it, it to a certain extent, I feel like I didn't, once we were talking through it, I actually realised that maybe I'm back there again and it all feels quite like, carefree and exciting because I think at the beginning it was just like I can do this mm. I can you know buy an Instagram handle go on GoDaddy find out you know I couldn't afford like everyone always asks me like why I chose like G-U-R-L-S over G-I-R-L-S yeah. and it's because I just couldn't afford girls do you know what <laughs> I mean it was like it was like just like freestyling yeah. all the time it was mm. like then on Instagram you looked and you followed people that you kind of wanted to be friends with as well. It wasn't just like, oh, let me follow this like pop star, superstar, yeah. someone who completely feels like out of reach. It's like, no, let me follow this person that's like doing proper cool work somewhere in the world. Hopefully one day I'll get to meet them. Maybe I won't. But that's really what the kind of essence of Girls Trip was. It was just me just like obsessing over these amazing people who were really doing work that I wanted to do. Mm. I don't think I really ever thought about what I could say or what I couldn't mm. say. I just was like saying lots of things. But definitely the landscape was a lot different. Mm. And obviously the conversation around mental health was a lot different. Mm. We talk a lot about girls talking in the right way to tell one story. I don't know if I went back. I think maybe I would have thought about it a bit more before I shared such kind of intimate parts of my life, like no regrets whatsoever. But I do think one needs to kind of think about that before you, you know, you share parts of your your life to the kind of like public. Um, and I think it never occurred to me that I should kind of change up my ways of doing girls talk as my career kind of boomed. Mm. I don't know if I could have done the modelling the way I've done it if mm -hmm. I hadn't had something like Girls Talk mm. kind of at the backbone yeah. of my um, existence yeah. at that point. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It felt like, yes, I can make money and do these things, but like I've always got something bigger. And totally. it always felt like Girls Talk was that thing. And I think over the years, you know, sometimes I go into situations whether it be on someone's podcast or being interviewed by someone and there, there are moments I think where I'm like can I just keep some stuff for me can I like be reserved but naturally my way of being is someone who just kind of like pours it out do you <laughs> Same, know what I mean it's, yeah. it's that I think that's just who I am as a person so there are moments you know where do I want to speak about like my love life all the time mm -hmm. there are moments where I'm like let me just reserve yeah. some stuff that's just for yeah. me and my family and I also think there's something to say I heard I think it was Dolly Alderton who said this on my podcast like years and years ago I don't share things whilst I'm going through yeah. them yeah do you know what I mean definitely that because makes a lot of sense 
I think you'll be shocked, you know, to anyone listening. It, it surprises me every day how much my story changes mm-hmm. and my whole perspective on my mm-hmm. story changes. Yeah. And I think that just comes with time and growth mm-hmm. and, and space and stillness. So I try as, as best as possible not to be scared of sharing stuff, but just to, to kind of think about it mm-hmm. a little bit more before I kind mm-hmm. of just blurt out my but, the inner working in my mind. <laughs> well, I think that's very wise. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. When you're in a moment, you're too close to it. But when you have time to step back, what you can share is often more valuable. But um, you mentioned that kind of guerrilla style um, that you and Liv, obviously Liv was a guest on our um, podcast last series and she founded Galdem and you founded Girls Talk. And do you miss that kind of more raw intimate sense of community and you know speaking about the internet and censorship and cancel culture it's really changed a lot since you started girls talk do you miss that yeah I think I still feel it do you know what I mean Mm. I think girls talk I think probably everyone would think girls talk was probably a lot bigger than it is It's, it's still very small and we all do our part and it's it's I always get asked like what the balance between girls talk and like all my other work is and it's like girls talk is just every day. Mm. It's every day. It's it's like that is where it doesn't matter and I love all the work I do, but like that is the place where I'm like, ooh, this is where yeah. I belong. This yeah. is really where I'm supposed to be. If I if I didn't have the, you know, other responsibilities, you know, yeah. or just girls talk to support. Yeah. I'm sure I would I'd just, you know, spend my life like touring around schools and talking to like young girls. It's like my, it's my absolute favourite thing on the planet. Um, but it definitely has changed. And I think like getting our charitable status and mm-hmm. becoming a 501c3 in, in the US that just has, there's so many responsibilities. Mm. I think us wanting to kind of position ourselves as a very responsible kind of non-profit. I think the conversation around mental health is an amazing one, but we wanted to make sure that we weren't doing that fluffy kind of well-being, kind of uninformative, Mm -hmm. like we didn't want to be that part Mm -hmm. of the discussion. And that comes with a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. Like how do we do things properly? How do we position ourselves with the responsible companies who believe in, in the work that we're doing, you know, it's an endless, like, wouldn't it just be easy if we just did it? We need the money. Wouldn't it be just easy if we just did that? We need the support. We're not in a position right now where we can like be picky and choosy, but we have to be picky and choosy Mm -hmm. because we have an amazing community of people who look to us for support and they respect us and so there are moments where I do miss that just it was just me you know actually sorry you know big up Holly Gore I also did it with her but we were just like should we do an art exhibition should we do this should we you know I just go and like find out the email of some like CEO and be like, can I come in and talk to you about this thing? And they're like, what thing? I'm like, I don't even know what it is. I'm just, I'm just creating something. Do you know what I mean? And it was so cool. And I know Liv said it had changed a lot for her. And, but I definitely still feel the, the fire for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you see it evolving? What are your hopes for Girls Talk for 2024 and beyond? Oh, God, so much. You know, the fundraiser is something we're really... So keep a lookout for that. Mm -hmm. That'll be towards the end of the year. Um, We've rebranded. We just finished our first pilot um, program in the US. 
which is an ambassador's program for 16 young girls all over the US. Fantastic. We have, we developed um, a program with Nike, which is called Coach in Your Corner, which is a mental health program for coaches Mm -hmm. um, in order for them to spot the signs of mental health Mm -hmm. and and, and distress and be able to talk to their kind of, not only actually just support their peers, but also to, to support themselves. So that was really cool to do with um nike and the podcast is back up and running and that will come out towards the end of the year and that's really exciting but schools is just the that's the be all and end all for me it's just that's 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 all i want if i could if it was an off schools program or Sometimes it, I find it hard to even think about all the middle stuff. I'm just already at like <laughs> me spending my days, yeah. you know, with girls at schools. Incredible. And, you know, you said the part that brings you the most joy and fulfillment is being out there with like the teen girls. Yeah, and yeah. If you could talk to yourself as a 14 year old, what would you say? Because the wisdom that you've gained, not just with age, but from all of your immense work, has taught you so much. So, how could you reassure? baby so I got the chance to speak to some some girls the other day for the first time in ages and I was asked the the same question and it's not that I repeat myself but I usually say the same thing Mm. most of the time but actually looking at them and really and I've kind of gone back to therapy myself and and I'm going through tackling a whole bunch of other stuff Mm. that I forgot about and didn't even realise I I kind of needed to sort out. And it's actually mostly wrapped around like identity. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I would tell my younger self, I spent so much time scrutinising every single thing that I did Mm -hmm. from the way I blinked to the way I wore my hair to the way I walked or the shoes I wore or the way I spoke to Peter on a Saturday (laughs) five months ago. Do you know what I mean? It was like everything I nitpicked myself from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep. And the pressure I put on myself was just like absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I would just tell myself to just really honestly just give myself a bit of a break. Yeah. Um, Because it's so... It's hard when someone I think is has as as people like our age and older when we feel so far, you know, you've got kids and mm-hmm. it's like we're so far out of that little yeah. bubble we yeah. were in at school. Yeah. And it's hard when I was looking at these girls, it's hard for me to just sit here and tell you, it doesn't matter. None of it will matter. <laughs> but I would just I'm not saying that because right now it does matter. Yeah. The fact that that girl looked at you weird matters today and mm-hmm. that's how your world looks. And your parents are fighting and you haven't had your period. Whatever is going on. I don't know what's going on, you know. Life is life and I would just have told myself to just like breathe. Totally. I mean, being a 13-year-old girl is the most brutal thing. Peter doesn't fancy you, don't know who you are. You think you know who you are. School is, well, for me, was hell on earth. It is so, the pressure of um, exams and cliques and gossip and how you look and how you want to present yourself to the world and what is deemed normal. And 
being a black young girl in a pretty white environment for me was incredibly challenging because God knows why we keep mentioning Peter, but Peter certainly didn't fancy me. Yeah, and was, I was uh, like, <laughs> Peter was, it was like, that was Peter. I didn't yeah. know what school you went to, but that was like, it was fucking Peter. <laughs> it was always Peter, Peter did not fancy me. he was me. not into either of us. <laughs> so I love that was... I caught, obviously, some like deep rooted trauma. Exactly. Um, but it is mad. And, and I think also what I would say to my younger self and to actually any young people is I think it is incredible the way in which we're talking about mm. mental health. I think it is so cool that we have a language and the ability to articulate our our feelings and emotions and, and what's going on. But I also think that with many of these things and some people, you know, that isn't the case, you know, case we, you know, I've lost many people to, to mental health, mm. um, and and all sorts of things but I would also say that there is like light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. like I know today it feels like the anxiety is 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 debilitating mm -hmm. and the idea of going to school or doing your exams or just showing up to your friend's birthday party doesn't feel like possible mm -hmm. but it it is, do you know totally. what I mean? And I think, and obviously all these circumstances are different and everyone's feelings are different. We know that. I always say it was so, all the work I continuously do, because we know mental health is like not a linear journey or experience. I do all that work every single day. I got sober when I was 22. Mm -hmm. I spent my 20s sober amongst people who weren't sober. Yeah. I have to think and live and breathe my moods every single day. Yeah. Because I'm, bipolar do you mean we know that it's hard work mm -hmm. and so give yourself a pat on the back for just waking up and doing those things but it's all possible do you know what I mean totally it is a long journey but I think we're at this point where we have the language so we think we can't do any of these things and it's like no actually the language is empowering not for everyone mm. but and sometimes the diagnosis is also empowering but I would tell yourself that it is like it is possible yeah. like to get through it as totally. well no I think you're completely right in terms of the openness with which people are sharing their struggles and how um you know particularly me raising a son um and historically men have not always been able to tap into their feelings and I mean he's only two so he only is like screaming because he's run out of yogurt and hopefully <laughs> he's not upset about anything too profound but it's just essential for me to raise a boy who is obviously a a feminist but b just fully attuned to his emotions um, and being open about those but I think one thing that I found really interesting in what you just said is in terms of mental health conversations, they're incredibly prevalent but currently it does feel like there's a bit of a misuse or abuse of certain terms that are quite people think uh, they're using them correctly when we're talking about boundaries or all of this kind of therapy speak that is readily available mm. and I saw you guys wrote a brilliant article about it as well but I think that's now a new wave of mental health conversations is the misuse of some of the terminology that can actually be even more detrimental. I'm very particular about the way I kind of word things. Mm. I'm not someone to suddenly be like, I'm so depressed because I really know what that is. Yeah. yeah. I really know of what course. being depressed is. Yeah. But I think I'm a, a bit of a catastrophizer mm -hmm. or maybe I spend so much of my like waking hours involved in this ongoing 
you know, problem yeah. of yeah. mental health. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So I see it and I hear it all the time. So my immediate reaction to like distresses is like, they're, you know, they're, it's the end of the road. They're like depressed. Like mm-hmm. got to call in everyone, blah, blah, blah. But I think what we also forget is just life is life. I, I need to remember that all the time mm-hmm. when I'm hit sometimes with things that just pop out of nowhere. Um, life is just really messy mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to feel like unvalidated by whatever they're feeling. But I think it's sometimes, for me personally, it's quite good to know that. And I wonder sometimes if, you know, I talked obviously briefly about that kind of, that fluffiness that I mm-hmm. think sometimes surrounds the way that we talk about mental health are easy. And those hashtags have been great. You know, I've been part of them. I've done work and it's been great to push the movement, the work further but maybe it can't just be that, totally. you know, and I don't think I'm not one. And, and we talk about this a lot of girls talk and are very particular about who, who we have on, our, you know, panel discussions mm-hmm. or because it can't just be as easy as just getting in the bath yeah. and lighting a candle. Yeah. We just know that, yeah. you know. It's too nuanced. Mental yeah. health is too nuanced for it to be led down a path of just like hashtags and and motivational kind of totally Instagram posts. Yeah, and it's always been my thing. You know, I remember looking when I first started Girls Talk. I was like, it would be so easy to just like get into this habit of just posting these like motivational things. And I know like clickbait people love them. Mm-hmm. They're cute. Blah blah blah. But it's like it always worried me because I was like I'd read them and I was like. Like what are all the in-between bits? Like mm-hmm. from A to Z, how, what happened at B, C, D, yeah, E, F, yeah. G, like yeah. all those other messy bits, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's very surface level and sure it'll get 7,000 likes, yeah. but what, what more does it mean and how can you practice that properly? It just shows to me that there's obviously still so much to do totally. in, in regards to the topic. Um, but anything that makes people feel less alone as well, I think, you know, obviously we all got to keep on doing the work and... Um, there are so many people out there who still feel like they can't talk about any of these things and we lose people every single day. So, yeah, you know. But without getting too much into lighting a candle in a bath and that type of self-care, how do you protect yourself? Because you're a busy woman, you're running an incredible organisation, you're acting, you're modelling. When is there time to look after Adria and what, what does a down day look like for you? A down day. I haven't had one in a while, but <laughs> I soon, soon I'm going to have one. Good. I I love reading. I have an amazing garden that my aunt does. Oh, wonderful. So I sit in there. I love exercise. Yeah. I think for me, though, as someone who's quite like all or nothing, I have a habit of turning things into work. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm I'm working yeah. on, you know, because now I've got the podcast. So it's like I'm reading for the podcast. It's like I have to make sure that I keep some things like sacred yeah. just for for me, you know. Yeah. So also, if you find a lot of strength and support in community, then doing work can also yeah. be about doing work on yourself and helping you exactly. like by talking and connecting with these amazing people around the world. If that's what brings you joy, then great. That yeah. can be on your off day as well. Is you said that you didn't necessarily find your community when you were a teenager. So was Girls Talk that community that yeah. you forged yourself? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And they still very much are. 
I'm still really amazed every single day that from sharing something, a story that had brought me so much shame and kind of like pain and mm. just sharing that introduced me to such an incredible community of people mm. just still like gets me every single day that that's, that's what happened, you know? Yeah. How I'm so glad that I didn't keep all those things to myself, you know? And so... Yeah, community, but I'm someone who gets burnt out by being around people all the time. Yeah. And I have to be careful of understanding when I'm isolating and when I'm actually, mm -hmm. like, just having to, like, regroup and and reset. Yeah. Have you made sure to set, um, you know, certain parameters to ensure that you're looking after yourself? Like, do you sometimes just say no? I have a really good team and covid it was you know i was in a very privileged position where not only coming from a safe household but also you know being financially stable and having that stillness and it was very uncomfortable because i didn't realize how much of my identity was attached to me being busy mm -hmm. and working and I'd spent those previous years navigating sobriety and also navigating my career flourishing and mm -hmm. kind of taking me in a different direction. So when we all had to s like be still, it was quite mad for me. And then there was a resurgence of Black Lives Matter and then there was a whole another massive amount of identity kind of work mm -hmm. that I had to do as well. And then... COVID stopped or, you know, obviously we were allowed to kind of, it didn't stop, but we were allowed to kind of get back to our lives to a certain degree. And I burned out completely, yeah. like straight away. I was like, I had a panic attack in the airport and I was like, what? I thought I could work like I did before COVID and it was just completely not possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm a maniac and I've been talking about it in therapy. I'm a maniac. I don't know if it was my mom or my dad. I think it was my mom for sure. We are just built differently and I love working. Yeah. But I had to reassess what was important mm -hmm. and I really wanted a relationship and I wanted a home mm -hmm. and I wanted to be around my family and my friends and to have relationships that weren't just built on popping in and out of yeah. each other's lives but ones that were actually built on like being there and I just wanted more and to be honest joy cheesy joy <laughs> I just I realized that there were other things that brought me joy and it was counterintuitive to just be putting all my attention into work yeah. because actually maybe that's why I'm even more psychotic about <laughs> everything I'm doing but I do feel that I have a new fire in my belly mm -hmm. I, with the acting and girls talk it's because my personal life feels nurtured mm -hmm. I feel ready when the day comes to go in and leave my boyfriend or you know sacrifice certain things that I do want to do but can't do because I have other priorities but I feel fine to do it because I've got a personal life as totally. well you know well it's so wonderful to hear that yeah. and that stability which then allows you to focus on the things that you're truly passionate about but obviously you've had the most prolific modeling career 
but now you've kind of turned your talents to acting. When was this something that you realised you wanted to explore? So I acted all the way through school and then I went to do my degree at Brunel in theatre and then life just took me in a different direction and then it took me in a different direction again. And then just before COVID, I had a chat with my manager, Jamel, who has always beautifully seen what I'm capable of achieving before even I've noticed or (laughs) know that it's even something I want, maybe, or I'm too afraid to even call it something that I want. And we spoke about it and I decided that I was going to Shout out to Martin, who was my acting teacher. Yeah. And, and so I started training again and relearning and getting my confidence. I wasn't even auditioning or anything like mm-hmm. that. And then COVID happened. So that kind of put a, I, I, I suppose it wasn't a pause, but I just got a, some time, uninterrupted mm-hmm. time to just kind of concentrate mm-hmm. on on training and everything like that. And... To be honest, it was a very interesting process. I had to really check my ego during that period of time. I think I wasn't... It was great, actually. It was interesting. But taking your foot off a pedal that you've been on for so long and not turning your back but leaving, to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. an industry which you're very relevant in to walk into something that you're not puts you in your place yeah. and you realise <laughs> like, why am I feeling so weird and it's like you're feeling weird <laughs> yeah. about things to do with your ego yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting and you know why am I not you know all these things and it's just like you know but the case I think was for me why I decided to kind of go back and give it a go is I just wanted to I just wanted to be able to say that I gave it a good shot. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have been able to say that before. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was so distracted and unhappy and 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 21, yeah. you know, so yeah. my priorities were a bit different. And yeah. so I feel like I have a new head on my shoulders and I really wanted to give it a good go and and think I have a good work ethic. So I was just like, let me see what I can do. Yeah. Well, I really respect that idea of going from being like the world's biggest model to having to graft and being back at the bottom. That (laughs) must have been a humbling experience, as you said, for your ego, where people, all of your yes men sort of disappear (laughs) and you have to start from scratch. But what are the stories that you're you're really drawn to in terms of acting on screen? What, What are the stories you want to tell? I think that's such a good question. Everyone always asks me, you know, what? I can take from modelling into acting Mm. and maybe it's being comfortable in front of the screen. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but actually the work that I feel really sits beautifully alongside the acting is all the work that I do at Girls Talk is that storytelling backbone Mm -hmm. that lives very deep within, within Girls Talk and everything we do. And that's what I'm really drawn to. Um, I think for me though, it's, I love being myself, do you mm. know what I mean? But there's something so great about um, not just becoming someone else, but having to take on someone else's story yeah. and to have to like build your own idea of like, even when you're not even given all the like 
bits to mm-hmm. kind of form it, but actually being able to like form it yourself, totally. which I've been able to do in like different parts, you know. Fantastic. Well, when I first met you, like probably 10, 15 years, maybe not 15, however many years ago, you were working in... Such a long time ago. Such a long time ago, working in casting and obviously (laughs) went to modelling. No one knows that, but I was a casting director. (laughs) You were. I never talk about it. I was a street caster. You you, you smashed acting first (laughs) and modelling more. Fucking um, (laughs) So funny. Yeah. But um, I love me trying to become a student. Yeah, it was it was a hot minute, but it was cool. It was cool. But uh, is there any other sort of creative avenue you'd like to explore? You come from a very creative family, um, or is acting your main focus for the time being? Acting is my main focus for the time being. I am just beyond excited. I'm like a schoolgirl right now. I'm just so hyped to be in the room. Do you know what I mean? Oh. To be sent that email saying that I get the chance to audition yeah. for this and to show, you know, I think there's still like a little bit of stigma around model turned actor, yeah. but I love a challenge. So totally. nothing gets me more hype than like getting some feedback from some casting director or producer and showing them that I'm actually focused and putting the work in. Do you know what I mean? So for me, even when it's a no, I'm trying to, and like as all models can attest I have about 10 million layers of skin so I know what rejection is yeah and so I'm being able to turn it on its head and and just see like how exciting that this just all is you know amazing well the world is very much your oyster the last question I have to ask obviously this is our vision and voice um series of the incredible women podcast Whose vision or voice has been the biggest inspiration to you? I would say my sister. We couldn't be more different, but there really is something to say about someone you sit like. We have the exact same moral compass and it makes conversations just that easier and she really understands me and and teaches me about things all the time. it's an amazing writer called Mickey Kendall, who mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with. Bernadine Evaristo, mm-hmm. Michaela Cole has always been, yeah. from the moment I saw her like perform like an open mic years and years ago, she's been one. My mum, for sure. Yeah, I'm, she's a powerhouse. Yeah, <laughs> I have her to thank for a lot yeah. of things. Um, Pretty impressive line I think up Julia there. Samuel, big yeah. up, I love her everything that she does amazing well that's the perfect note to end on yeah. thank you so much for joining me Thanks today so it's much. been it a delight so, nice. um, so thank you for joining us today Big thank love. you thank you <laughs> vision and voice was brought to you by netta porte and chalk and blade hosted by netta porte's content director alice casely hayford and fashion director Kay barron the team at netta porte was katie barrington as the senior editor with casting by Annabelle Brog and Olivia Wakefield, and coordination by Erin Shanahan. The producer at Chalk and Blade was Emily Wally. Original music by Alexis Adamora, and the series was mixed by Nasson De Silva. <laughs> <laughs>